When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Football, football and more football. After no matches last weekend, this week has been brimming with games to get stuck into and tonight is no different. Two top flight fixtures to feast on as Villa play Southampton and Forest host Fulham this evening to kick off the Premier League weekend. Plus, Manchester United and West Ham United both avoided nasty upsets in their European games yesterday. Eric Ten Hag's side shot down the sheriff in Moldova, whilst David Moyes' hammers avoided crumbling against the Danish when they beat Silkeborg. And as it's a Friday, that means we're testing the footballing brainpower of today's Football Social Daily pundits, who are Ian Brannan and Joel Tudor this morning. Hello, gents. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning, good morning. Football Social Daily is the only daily Premier League podcast you can find. A new episode each and every day of the season, apart from on Monday, where it is the Queen's funeral and therefore a bank holiday has been declared in the UK. And in line with everyone else, we won't be releasing any content on that day. So that's just one to be aware of. But if you hit subscribe, you won't miss any of the other episodes that we will release throughout the course of the season. Loads of good stuff for you to get stuck into. And we're going to start on today's podcast by looking back at yesterday's European fixtures in the Europa League and the Europa Conference League. Arsenal's game with PSV Eindhoven was postponed due to policing problems in London. Lots of police resources have been allocated to all of the circumstance surrounding the burial of Queen Elizabeth II, which, as I mentioned before, is coming up very, very soon. So no Arsenal game last night, but Manchester United were in action in the Europa League and West Ham in the Europa Conference League, both sides away from home. And we'll start first with Manchester United, who were away in Moldova, taking on Moldovan opposition for the very first time. And they beat Sheriff Tiraspol by two goals to nil in Chisinau. And Joel, to be honest, it was pretty much job done, wasn't it? It was nothing to get too excited about. Nothing more, nothing less. Three points in the group stage, a much needed win and into the international break with that under your belt. Yeah, it was a decent game overlooking the, the lights of the flats above the stadium. I love the it, Soviet oh, architecture. It's brilliant, isn't absolutely it? Absolutely brilliant. I wonder if they have to charge extra for that season ticket. But it was... Uh, 
It was a game where obviously the lineup was way stronger than it would have been had United had to play this weekend. Obviously, the game's been postponed, so it meant that Ten Hag could pretty much go with a fully strength side, knowing that it's going to be another two and a half, three weeks until they all get back together. So I think that's what made the job a little bit more easier. But I think in the first 15 minutes, it took United quite a while to actually get going and get get some rhythm in their play because... Sheriff actually played really well up until Jaden Sancho's goal where they were a little bit more uh, proactive, a little bit more first of the ball and had a bit more energy in the game. And I was thinking this is going to be such a long first half because it, they just couldn't seem to get that pass rhythm going. Um, but then a nice little combination of play for Sancho's goal actually finally unlocked them, which I think is what what would have it, what it would have taken just because Sheriff were just so resolute and really strong in their midfield uh, which made United difficult to break through and I thought Sancho took it really well he's been I think what I've noticed with Sancho's game he's become really composed in his finishing he always has when he was at Dortmund um, he he seems to go ice cold before he finishes doesn't panic at all and he seems to just find the net with ease and I'm starting to think it might be better for him to go in a bit more of a central role because at the moment at United he seems to be a little bit isolated on the wing because he doesn't have the greatest amount of pace. So when he's one-on-one, you bet you you can hedge your bets that he's not going to be able to get past the fullback. So he always seems to come inside and that's where he seems to be able to unlock the attack. And it happened at Dortmund when he used to combine with Haaland as well. But I've been really impressed with him lately. Um, and then obviously Ronaldo finally got his goal. So hopefully that kickstarts his season a little bit because it seemed like he was um, snatching at a lot of shots and a lot of efforts in the previous games. I think he was just a bit over eager and really trying to get himself off the mark. But overall, I think it was a really solid performance. After Sancho scored, they completely dominated the game um, and really reduced Sheriff to barely any chances. So it was a really professional job, I would say. Wasn't the best spectacle, to be honest. And Sheriff are probably most famous for beating Real Madrid in the group stages of last season's Champions League. Some people saying that was the biggest upset in the history of Champions League football. But on that day... Sheriff um, had to ride it out, really, a massive wave of Real Madrid pressure. They defended so well and the goalkeeper was inspired and Real Madrid missed a hat full of chances and they ended up punishing them at the end of the game with an absolute screamer. Last night didn't follow that pattern at all. It was very much the second half played in third gear. As you say, Ronaldo scored the second goal, his 699th in club football, unbelievable numbers, his first in the Europa League which is pretty crazy when you think of it like that, of all of the goals he scored. But it was Sancho who opened the scoring, as you say, and I'm glad you've brought him up, Joel, because he was left out of the latest England squad, Ian, which was revealed yesterday. Do you think that will spur him on? Because, of course, this is the final international break before the World Cup. No doubt he'll want to go to that World Cup in the Middle East. So he's only going to do himself favours by scoring goals, no matter who the opponent is. Yeah, it's it's, it's got a be good for him obviously it's it's too late for this next batch batch of fixtures that are that are coming up soon but of course it's um not too far away now from the world cup maybe he might be concerned that he's not part of the squad at this point because uh, as we were talking about i think a few weeks ago that there's, there's not actually many england fixtures now between now and the, the world cup you know this you know it's it, it is coming going to come up to us very very quickly the the world cup tournament itself and so for him not to be involved might be a bit of a concern for him all he can do is prove gareth southgate wrong isn't it uh, and and put in a good performance and scoring 
on the international stage, um, you know, with in a European match like like this, has to be a good thing. I know that it's not the most outstanding of opposition. People will argue that you know he's not doing it against Real Madrid or Barcelona or someone like that. He is against Sheriff. Uh, and uh, you know, but he can only play against what's put in front of him. So if he takes his chances, then he's got to be on the radar. Um, as we've seen before, you know, injuries can come around very, very quickly for, for for other players. So whilst he's not among the you know the selected players this time, that doesn't mean that he's out of contention fully for the World Cup because who knows what's going to happen? You know, a few key injuries can happen very, very quickly in upcoming games, and and before you know it. The, the the next sort of uh, also rounds at this moment in time of which he obviously seems to be one um, uh, 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 suddenly you know in contention and, and maybe getting on that plane so he's got to keep banging away hasn't he keep getting those uh, you know goals when he can great performances if he's not scoring goals and just keep himself in the mind of Gareth Southgate um, you know before that squad's announced for the World Cup but uh, even, you know at least to be part of the the larger squad, I suppose, if not if not the final, is it 23 that are going to be going? Yeah, and obviously Rashford is also not in the England squad. He's got a bit of an injury, so didn't play last night. It was the same team that beat Arsenal um, uh, at Old Trafford a few weeks back, apart from Ronaldo coming in to replace Marcus Rashford. And from a United perspective, Maguire and Shaw, both in the three Lions camp for these upcoming internationals with Italy and Germany, only getting minutes off the bench for Eric Ten Hag's team in Moldova last night. But they got the job done. As we say, important three points in the Europa League group stage. They beat Sheriff by two goals to nil. West Ham were also winners in their European match. This was in the Europa Conference League. They beat Danish club Silkeberg away from home by three goals to two. An important win this, I thought, for West Ham. They survived a bit of a late scare against the Danish club who probably could have equalised as well towards the end. A couple of good chances that were ended up ended up being blocked away nicely by West Ham who did their defensive work well, all things considered. But with how things have started this season domestically for the Hammers, Joel... A win is a win and you need to build that momentum somehow. Yeah, and I think that was shown with the strength of their starting lineup. They went with Paqueta, Skamaka, Lanzini, Declan Rice. I mean, a number of their first team choices as they would in the Premier League. And I think that just basically showed that David Moyes is just really wanting to get some momentum, as you say. get a, Just get a win and then start building on from that, from that foundation because it's not happened in the Premier League at all uh, so far. And I said yesterday in the podcast that I felt as though this was a kind of must win for them, not in terms of whether it'll dictate if they get out of the group or not, but more a case of just being able to secure the the secure the place in the group, get into the next round, and then you can focus on starting to build your league form again. Because sometimes these competitions, if you don't treat them with the respect that they deserve in the early stages where you think, you know, we can get past it quite easily, suddenly the last two, three games become even more important and you have to start sacrificing your league form at some stage. So I think it was a really big win. Obviously, David Moyes is wanting to secure the group clearly, like I say, with the strength of that starting lineup. They got a bit of a scare late on when Silkeborg tried to come back into the game late on. But like I say, I think even though there was a couple of players who are from the fringes of the squad it was it's a, it was a strength squad that should have been easy enough getting past the side like this um, so I think he'll be really happy to be able to build on this win ahead of the weekend and try to replicate that form into the Premier League because obviously that's the one that you need to be able to keep consistent in. Yeah we mentioned yesterday that West Ham should be beating teams like this as a matter of bread and butter but 
the Europa League and the Europa Conference League in this case is is never really like that. Silkeburg, a town of just 50,000 people, most famous for a paper mill and a cathedral where there's a mummified body, which you can go and see. Uh, I did my research on these lot, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, West Ham, as I say, managing to get the 3-2 win and... Jared Bowen and Declan Rice will take plenty of confidence from that. They're both in the England squad and that might have been up for debate as well. We mentioned Jaden Sancho a minute ago, Ian, but the fact that West Ham started the Premier League season so poorly and are in the relegation zone, Declan Rice and Jared Bowen have both performed well for England and I just wondered whether their poor form for West Ham might have sparked a change in Gareth Southgate's thinking, but that hasn't been the case. Do you think that by the time the World Cup rolls around in mid to late November that West Ham will be in a better shape in the Premier League? Well, you would hope so, wouldn't you? Because, you know, they've got decent players in their side. As you mentioned, uh, Rice and Bowen, both in the England squad. They've got other internationals in their lineup as well, um, who also will be wanting to be uh, in the best form for their respective nations as well. So you would hope so. You would hope that that would translate into an improved performance for West Ham. But they seem to be a side... At the moment, and I'm trying to think which club it was that last did this. Maybe it was Bolton. You know, they they had a a way back. You know, they had a season where they were brilliant in Europe, but terrible in the Premier League. And, you know, it's all well and good having a decent run in Europe. But if you're not going well in the Premier League, that is going to be a problem. Because, of course, you know, for a club like West Ham, they can't afford to be messing about with relegation fodder and stuff like that. And, you know, we're getting a few games in now, you know, sort of, what are we on? Seven or eight matches in into the Premier League season now. And we're getting to that point where you are able to start drawing conclusions about the league table. You know, the league table is is it starts off false, doesn't it? But then, you know, they say by 10 games, it's starting to even out a bit now. Um, and I think West Ham are in danger of, of being a club that are going to be in that bottom five. And that can really set you up for, you know, a hard time because then you, you the pressure starts to build, doesn't it? And it's hard to get out of that. If you're 10, 15 games in and you're down there, it's going to be a, lot, a long slog, despite what's happening in Europe. And Europe might come to them as a bit of a respite, uh, you know, pressures off sort of thing. But all well and good that, but the Premier League needs to be the focus, doesn't it? Because that's ultimately what's paying the bills. Um, so with the talent they've got in there, they should be doing better. But if, if they struggle, um, you know, going into the matches that are coming up, uh, you, you know, you do fancy that it's, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Davey Moyes for sure. Yeah, and it's the David Moyes derby this weekend in the Premier League, isn't it? Everton against West Ham United, and that's one of the games that we previewed on The Dugout, which is our podcast featuring former top-flight professionals, ex-Leicester and Forest striker Matty Fryer and former England man Trevor Stephen joining me on that show, which will be out later this evening on the Football Social Daily feed. If you're not on the Football Social Daily feed already, then just search for The Dugout wherever it is you get your podcasts, and that way you'll find it there. That'll be out later tonight. But the Premier League weekend kicks off this this evening as well. Villa versus Southampton, Forest versus Fulham, the two games on this evening. We'll talk about them next. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. I'm Niall. I've got Joel and Ian with me and we're going to talk about the two Premier League matches that take place this evening. First of all, at Villa Park, where Aston Villa hosts Southampton and Steven Gerrard's side, Joel, they're hovering above the bottom three at the moment. Do you think there might actually, in a strange way, be less pressure on this game against Southampton than last week's cancelled game against Leicester? And the reason I say that is because although they're not rivals there is a little bit of hostility between Leicester City and Aston Villa which is kind of developed out of them both being Midlands clubs I think but also Leicester City were bottom of the Premier League table they still are of course 20th place and chasing that first win had Aston Villa been beaten by Leicester last weekend that really would have spelled more pressure for for Steven Gerrard so do you think in a weird way this game against Southampton is slightly less pressurized than last week's one versus Leicester which was cancelled potentially I think I, I do agree in the fact that let's say either team were able to get a result and it was a draw or let's say Leicester actually managed to get a result then I think obviously the pressure would have been really starting to mount on, mount on Gerard. I think as we were mentioning yes, uh, last week in terms of which teams benefited the most from these postponements, it'll be the teams who either lacked momentum or the teams that had a lot of injuries and Aston Villa clearly had zero momentum going into that Leicester game. So maybe it is a good circuit breaker for them where they can start to regroup a little bit. Gerard can start to analyse his team rather than having to just keep focusing on game after game and ploughing away through them. But even still, I mean, regardless of whether it got postponed or not, Southampton, I've been really impressed with them lately. I mean, a lot, even just namely Bella Kochap, who's just got a call up to the Germany national side. This and just deserved sh- as well. Yeah, and massively. I know it's hard for me to say that as a Portsmouth supporter, but I will say I've watched a few Southampton games this season for work. And honestly, I've been very impressed with him. Um, I think they paid £12 million for him. He's athletic, he's strong, he's composed on the ball, he's comfortable. He takes up really good attacking positions. Against Manchester United in the game at St Mary's, he had so many opportunities to score from corners and he was linking up the attacking play on the edge of the box. I think he could be an excellent defender in the future. So I think that's well-deserved. Yeah, he was, he was, he's been colossal so far in the league and it's such a deserved call-up, like you say. And this is what I mean. This is the difference, I feel, where Southampton, we thought, were going to be languishing this season after obviously they lost Armando Broja back to Chelsea a couple of seasons ago they lost Danny Ings who was scoring you know 20 goals a season and they still managed to come back and it's because of their amazing recruitment and then you look at Aston Villa and we've all been looking at them prior to the season starting and thinking wow what a really strong squad Gerrard's assembled you know the likes of former Champions League players Felipe Coutinho, Diego Carlos um, and then you just got a really strong midfield camera from Marseille and a free transfer that a lot of European clubs were after. So we were thinking at the start of the season, this Villa side could go from strength to strength. And 
I think you can only point towards one thing and that's the manager not being able to galvanise them and actually create some kind of identity in the team because I don't see anything at the moment. And when you've lost four of your first six games and only won one and you're against the Southampton side who's very much in form at the moment um, and been way more impressive and just look a little bit more like they have direction. If he loses this game and they fall even further down it's going to start really getting pressured. I'm wondering though, because of the way in the which the World Cup starts to come around in this season, will it act again like a bit of a circuit breaker where, let's say, Gerard finds his Aston Villa side in the relegation places prior to the World Cup? Are they going to wait it out until after and reassess? Or are they going to actually, you know, break the cord and think, actually, let's use this one month to start regrouping and thinking, should we have a manager uh, to take us forward? So it'll be interesting to see how he does, but I've really not been impressed with Villa considering the quality he's got on his hands. And like I say, coming up against the Southampton team, I think it's even more pressure than Leicester because it's an even better side that they're coming up against. You know, Diego Carlos, you mentioned him. I think I picked him as possibly one of my underdog signings of the summer. And he's ruptured his Achilles and has needed surgery to get it reattached. And naturally, he'll be out until after the World Cup as a consequence of that injury. But in terms of picking up a win before the international break, as you say, like acting as a circuit breaker, there's nothing worse, I think, for some players and managers than going into an international break a couple of weeks without a match, having just lost and knowing that you're in the bottom reaches of the table. As for Southampton, who were Villa's opponents tonight, Ian, a very young side and they've named some of the youngest starting 11s we've seen in Premier League games in recent times. So they're going to learn some lessons along their way. They're going to get beat at times, which they have done already, but I don't think they've actually played that badly in the games that they've had. It feels like the experienced players, the likes of Shea Adams, for example, who scored the goals for them, that's been key. Are you expecting something similar here? A, a, a young group of Southampton players where the experience of someone like Shea Adams might be the difference between a victory and a loss. Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's going to be difficult to say. I think it's going to be a fairly close match. I don't see it being a hammering either either way, to be honest. But um, no. uh, I, I think you know Southampton do have a, a, a better position in the league currently than, than obviously Aston Villa here. So there's, there's not as much pressure on them as there is maybe Aston Villa, as you're just saying there, because obviously Aston Villa are trying to get away from the from the bottom three, as we we're just talking about. You don't want to get wrapped up in that early doors, and because it's very, very it's a slippery slope, you know, it it it's makes the end of the season obviously a lot harder. And I know we're we're only in September here, but it, you know you you do need to have a good start to the season. I think we see that. You look at the stats, and you know, getting the first sort of eight or nine points on the board just takes that pressure off you know sides rarely find themselves in bother if they have a decent start to the season you know even if they have a blip later on having a good start sets you in good stead so for Aston Villa they, they want to get going as soon as possible as you say though Southampton um, have got this mixture of youth and experience and but the experience they've got isn't sort of players that are long in the tooth you know uh, Shea Adams is still a relatively young guy we're not talking journeymen here who are 40 odd years old who are providing the experience of uh, you know but they have got these young guys coming through Southampton have got a, a bit of a record of, of bringing some talent through of course over over the past um, seasons and it's good to see that um, you know that that sort of continues along with the players they brought in from from elsewhere and overseas as well um yeah I think uh, Southampton will be a, a tight knit unit Always fairly well organised, of course, and I think for yeah, they might fancy their chances here as an outside chance. I, I kind of the form book would suggest this should be Villa's night, but 
Villa have got a few injuries. They've got some illness in their squad as well, apparently. And, uh, you know, Southampton got a bit of confidence. Villa looking to build on their uh, most recent result, of course, which was uh, an improvement on, on the very, very start of the season. But I don't know. I think Southampton, if they if they keep it well organised here, they could be a very difficult opposition for Villa um, and maybe surprise one or two. Who knows? Okay, so Villa against Southampton takes place later this evening. So too does Forest versus Fulham. And these are two promoted sides from the Championship last season. So does that ever have an impact going into games like this, Ian? Do you think that it makes much of a difference that these two sides would have played each other more recently than, than any of the other teams? Because when you think about it, Forest have signed 21 new players. So I guess that theory goes out of the window pretty quickly. <laughs> I love these memes that are going round of... Uh... Forest's, you know, team photo, and it's just, <laughs> it's just ridiculous the amount of players they've signed. Um, they they have had time now to gel, you know. We'll say that there's been a bit of a break. There is a, obviously another break coming up after these fixtures, which will further allow them time to to get to know each other better and and work a system out. Um, I think that we've seen with Nottingham Forest, you know, they, they've they've had the potential for uh, for victory. You know, they've gone in at half time leading. A number of matches, but then they've lost them. So it's that second half performance, maybe that they're looking to to grip up a little bit. Um, you know, with the fixtures coming up, and when you look at a fixture against, I don't know. It, there's two ways of looking at it. I think you know Nottingham Forest versus Fulham, the two sides that have played each other a lot in the Championship, and it you know it's a bit like an old friend. In some ways, when you're going into these fixtures, you know it feels like the pressure's off a little bit. But sometimes, what you tend to find is that one of the sides that's promoted has got that bit more experience and is is more ruthless than they were when they met in the championship. And I fancy that team will be Fulham this time. You look at the um, leading goal scorers in the Premier League and, and Mitrovic for Fulham is, is only second to Erling Haaland at the moment. So he's been bagging the goals and they've, they've got that. And of course, goals are very much what, what you need. And you have to say that Nottingham Forest are definitely struggling in that department at the moment. So I think if Mitrovic is on form and, and, and plays how we know he can play, I think it could be a, a tough evening for Nottingham Forest. That said, don't underestimate the, uh, the, the uh, extra man in, in the crowd because uh, it will be quite an atmosphere uh, at the city ground, I'm sure. Um, intimidating and uh, that can also make a difference, I reckon. Yeah, Friday night football under the lights is brilliant, isn't it? And Nottingham Forest fans have waited so long to have these sorts of moments back in the Premier League. So I'm sure that they'll try and make the most of it this evening. But you're right, Ian, and I agree with Ian totally, Joel, that Fulham have started the best out of all of the promoted sides. They look the most dangerous of all of the teams that have come up. But despite the fact they've started well and Mitrovic has been banging in the goals, survival is the key. It's the ultimate end goal for this season for Fulham, no matter where they finish in the table. As long as it isn't in the bottom three, that would represent a good season, I think. But even though it's the early stages and they've done all right so far, picking up points against sides like Nottingham Forest teams that are likely to be around you in the table come the end of the campaign, that is going to be a big help, isn't it? You want to be taking points off of teams that are direct rivals, I suppose. Yeah, massively. And to be honest, I think a lot of us have eaten our words, both so far on Fulham, because I think majority of us had them in our relegation candidate zones prior to the season. I didn't think Mitrovic... I certainly did. Yeah, no, me, me included. And it was purely because I didn't think Mitrovic would be able to replicate that championship form, as history has shown us. But he seems to have just cracked into a different gear this season, which I didn't think he had in him. 
And mm. that's been basically the catalyst of them being in the position that they're in at the moment. And I think what's the most promising part for Fulham is that they've already played three very good teams in Tottenham, Arsenal and Liverpool. Obviously, they only took one point from them, from those games, but they were there or thereabouts. You know, they lost 2-1 to Arsenal very late against Tottenham 2-1, but, you know, they weren't down and out in that game. And I think that's really encouraging because they beat a very impressive Brighton side prior to that Tottenham game. Um, they managed to keep their home form pretty good as well. They've won two of their two of the three home games that they've had this season, and one of those was Liverpool. So they're capitalising on what is really important for the newly promoted sides, which is making sure that your home games are the ones that you really capitalise on. And if you can take some points away from home, it's always a bonus, but it's always really difficult when you've just come up. And being in the table now in 10th place... I mean, it's it's a really strong start. I know you can't get ahead of yourselves because even when it comes to Christmas time, things are still not very clear and, clear and black and white at that stage. But comparing them to, you know, for example, Nottingham Forest, who are still trying to get more than one win on the table and the home form is poor, Fulham are doing really, really well. And if Mitrovic can keep up this goal-scoring rate, they'll be safe because I think every newly promoted side they're always looking for that player who has goals in him and you saw it last season with Brentford and Ivan Tony. he was the guy who was the outlet for them with their goals you saw it with Leeds United the, the previous seasons when they just got promoted and um, it was Bamford and Rafinha who were all chipping in with the goals you always need that figure pin and at the moment it seems for example with Nottingham Forest I'm not sure where exactly it's coming from where it was with, New, um, with Fulham I know exactly where it's coming from so I think it's really promising for Fulham at the moment and you've got to give credit to Silva yes Marco Silva someone who's been sacked a fair few times by other Premier League clubs what's he been at Hull Watford and Everton and now he's back in the Premier League with Fulham and he seems to be doing a better job this time around than he has done at his previous clubs so they take on Nottingham Forest tonight away Aston Villa versus Southampton and of course Fergal Brennan will be back on Sunday looking back at all of the weekend's Premier League results so make sure you hit subscribe and you won't miss that on Sunday evening but stick around here because we're going to have a bit of fun next it's the end of week quiz here on Football Social Daily I'm going to be putting Joel and Ian's football knowledge from the last seven days to the test and stick around because it's on the way next Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. Final part of today's Football Social Daily. And as it's a Friday, we like to round off the week with a bit of fun with our weekly quiz. Now, Joel, you've been involved in a few of these I think you feel like you've been hard done by. I think you feel like VAR has cost you in these quizzes. I'm not sure, Ian, you've actually taken part in one yet. So I'm interested to see how you get on on your debut. Never. 
Uh, so, um, yeah, let's see how it goes. Hmm. Okay, there's no questions from like the 1950s or anything like that. So I think you're all right. So yeah, it's, 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 it's the questions from the last week that are the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's all topical. It's all topical. All right, so there's eight questions. That's four each. And whoever gets the most come the end of the eight questions is the winner. If it's tied after eight questions, we'll go to a tiebreaker, which is a question I will think of completely off the top of my head. It could be absolutely anything. So it's a bit of a lottery. So basically, win inside your four questions don't leave it to a tiebreaker because it could be any result normally we go youngest first in this quiz so we'll do the same today we won't change the rules up and we'll start with you Joel so here's your first question which Premier League club had its plans to expand its stadium capacity to 40,000 seats approved earlier this week Uh, do I not get any options no I mean there's only 20 Premier League clubs Joel can't give you. I can't give I've you not options. Heard anything in the news about a forty thousand seater? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the one that I know is in the works, but I don't know if that. Oh, God's sake! All right, I'm going to go with Leicester. Is the right answer? Well done, Joel. Yes. Oh, He's yeah. picked up a point. Leicester City. Yeah, they've had the plans to expand the East Stand of King Power Stadium, which will take the capacity of the venue up to forty thousand seats. Approved this week by Leicester City Council. There'll also be a casino and a tower block and some other entertainment features as well in and around the stadium. Should all the plans go ahead? So well done, Joel. That is one point on the board for you. And here is your first question, Ian. Jadon Sancho scored Manchester United's opening goal in the Europa League against Sheriff Tiraspol in Moldova. It was a 2-0 victory for United with Ronaldo scoring the other goal. When Sancho scored, he celebrated in a strange way by holding up one of his shin pads to the crowd. But what was on the shin pad? Now, um, I, saw, I saw this in the news. It was, um, it, Didn't it have a photo on it? It did. What was the photo of? What was the photo of himself? It is correct. Yeah, it was a photo of his own face. A shin pad right, was yeah. gifted to him by a fan. Well done. I you... saw. I saw the picture of him. It was weird because I, I it, it popped up on my thing last night, and I, I I saw him in his car holding this shin pad, staring at himself, and I was wondering what what the hell was going on there. And I didn't read the rest of the article, <laughs> so it was uh, there. We go. I'm glad I read that article on Facebook last night. <laughs> Great job. I mean, you've dug into the depths of you your never memory. Know there. Facebook's going to come in handy. Yeah, yeah. Normally, the news on Facebook isn't that accurate, but on this occasion, it was. So well done, Ian. There. You go that's 1-1 then between Joel and Ian in this week's quiz next question Joel which former England and Premier League goalkeeper officially announced his retirement from football earlier this week I saw this is Ben Foster it is Ben Foster well done played in the Premier League for the likes of Watford Manchester United and West Bromwich Albion so that was a nice tap in there for you so well done Joel good work That's two on the board for you. Ian, this is a multiple choice question. So we'll give you the opportunity here (laughs) with the multiple choice. Ivan Tony has been called up to the England squad for the first time and he becomes the first Brentford player to be called up to a three-line squad since which year? Was it 1938, 1939 or 1940? Um, Well... Second World War started in 1939, so I can't imagine there was too many international matches then, so I'll go with 1938. 
Oh, it was 1939. Unlucky. It was oh, 1939. Was so it was just before the Second World War began. But I love the logic. Unfortunately, he's just scraped the post and it's missed the target. So that's 2-1 to Joel. Yeah. But congratulations to Ivan Tony, An amazing achievement. And I think it just shows how far Brentford have come. Next question for you, Joel. This is for you to go into a 3-1 lead if you get it right. The World Cup in the Middle East begins in Qatar in the middle of November. The first game, Qatar, the hosts of the tournament, take on who in the opening fixture? Oh, gosh. Um, I think it's an African club, uh, country. I'm going to go with... Is it Senegal. It's not. The answer is Ecuador. Ah. And the reason that that's a question this week is because there's been a bit of a scandal. I don't oh, know if yeah, you've yeah, seen it, but the Chilean FA have claimed that one of the Ecuador players is not actually Ecuadorian and is in fact Colombian. And therefore they should be annulled from competing in the World Cup <laughs> oh, to be replaced yeah. by another South American the team. Yes. <laughs> so Qatar, who will be at the World Cup because they're hosting it. They contest the opening game against Ecuador. Uh, I think Ecuador will end up being there, but there's been a bit of a, a controversy about whose passport is which nationality and stuff like that. So that's been in the news this week. So unlucky, Joel. It stays 2-1 to you, though, in the scores. Chance to level it up here, Ian. It's uh, a multiple choice question. Tennis great Roger Federer announced that he's going to be retiring from the sport earlier this week. But which football team does he support? Is it A... FC Zurich, B, Grasshopper Zurich, or C, FC Basel. Now, before you even gave the multiple choice questions, uh, answers rather, um, what came to mind was FC Basel. Now, I don't know if that's right or not, but I think he's from that area. So uh, I'm going to go with that C. And he's clinched the point. Well done, Ian. It's now 2-2. Yeah, definitely. Roger Federer, a big Basel fan. Absolutely. So the next question is also relevant to someone who supports a specific team. And we'll go to you for this one, Joel, because I know that Ian is absolutely going to know the answer to this one. I won't bank on it. (laughs) There have been some games in the Premier League called off this weekend due to a lack of police resources. So... The band, The Police, is fronted by Sting. But which Premier League football team does Sting support? Am I not going to get any multiple choice? You are going to get some multiple choices. I was right, waiting I was for you to say, complain this is about it. Ridiculous I was now. waiting for you to complain about it. Is it A, Newcastle United, B, Leeds United, or C, Manchester United? Because you mentioned Ian's name at the start, I'm inclined to say Leeds. But am I getting bluffed? I'm gonna. All right, I'm gonna go with Leeds. It's Newcastle United. Oh, my God! Say Newcastle. Yeah, it could have been Leeds. Sold you a dummy there. But you know, Ian's based Still in the northeast. A Ian's based in the northeast. But yeah, Sting, the the lead singer of the the band, the Police, and of course, games have been called off this weekend in the Premier League due to a lack of police presence. He supports Newcastle United, the mighty tune. I think he even wrote a song about them once. Um, did did Sting? So there we go. Another miss for you, Joel. Which means the scores are two two. Which means if Ian gets this question right. He can swoop in and clinch it with a last minute winner by three wins, by three points to two. Otherwise, if not, we're going to a tiebreaker, which means I'm scrambling to try and think of a question. So final (laughs) one for Ian. Here we go. This is for the win. 
Sadly, Queen Elizabeth II passed away last week and her funeral is on Monday. Games were suspended last weekend in the Premier League, postponed until a later date because of her passing. She had a long-standing affinity with the beautiful game and often was seen handing out the FA Cup to teams at Wembley after the sides had competed. But what was the last FA Cup final that she attended? What year was it? Was it 1975, 1976 or 1977? Blimey. Um, I'm surprised that she hasn't attended an FA Cup final for so long. Mm, it's been a long time. It's, it's a long time. It's like longer than my entire life. She's never, she's never well, unbelievable. That's, that's a great stat. Um, okay. So what do you say? 70, 70 what? Five, six or seven, did you say? Correct, yeah. Ooh, right. Um, I'm going to go 1976. He's only gone and done it right at the death. 1976. Southampton beat Manchester United in the FA Cup final in 1976. Widely considered one of the biggest shocks in FA Cup history, or at least during that period of the 70s. Manchester United were certain to win that game and they ended up losing, I think, by a goal to nil. So the Queen handed out the FA Cup to Southampton. It remains their only major trophy and it remains the final time that Queen Elizabeth II handed out the FA Cup. Of course, that honour has now been passed down and it's Prince William, who's the new Prince of Wales, who is an Aston Villa fan, incidentally, who gets to hand the FA Cup out now at Wembley. Drama. Absolute scenes here on Football Social Daily on the Friday quiz. Ian, with a last-minute winner, so we'll do a post-match interview. How do you feel? Oh, absolutely over the moon, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) The highlight of his career. Well, I would Um, say it's one of them, certainly, yeah. Joel, mate, you are struggling. That's another defeat for you. You're in the relegation zone. You must be feeling the pressure. Listen, I don't want to speak about the quiz master. I'm going to get fined. So if I speak, I'm in big, big trouble. (laughs) You're a tap-in merchant, Joel. You get all the easy questions. As soon as the going gets tough, you crumble. Three three multiple choice questions to one. If I speak, that's all I'll say. If I speak. Oh my gosh. You managed to get the Leicester question right about the uh, stadium and the Ben Foster question. You've messed up the Qatar question, the World Cup question. I thought you would know the answer to that, to be fair. I mean, I don't really have the fixture list recognised in my mind, but it would have been nice to have a multiple <laughs> choice to actually deliberate over. But, you know, Honestly, congratulations to you. Uh, you are. T- oh, well done. You've congratulated your opponent. That's a step further than you've done in any well, of the you last know, the referee. Mm. Like, you're turning into Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> mm. You're turning into Jurgen Klopp. There's, there's questions about VAR about to be brought up here. <laughs> again, again, Joel's complaining about <sighs> technology. He's clinging on, isn't he? He's clinging on. <laughs> right. Nice one, Joel. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate your time. And thanks to you for listening to Football Social. Social Daily this week. Obviously, slightly different um, this upcoming Monday with there being no podcast, but you can listen to The Dugout, which is out later tonight on the full Football Social Daily feed and on its bespoke feed. So just search for The Dugout and you'll find it there. Trevor Stephen and Matty Fryer, two former Premier League players, talking to me about this weekend's key matches and the England squad, which has just been announced as well. And also, Fergal Brennan will be back looking across the weekend's Premier League results on Sunday. So if you hit subscribe, you won't miss that roundup of all of the weekend's action but from myself joel and ian that is it for today and we'll catch you next time here on football social daily football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go nearly two million ohioans live with a mental health condition 
In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.